Hello and welcome to episode 39 of The Worst Critics, where we talk to you about the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movies, music, television, and more. As always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And let's get straight to the news. First piece of news, uh, Ari Aster's new movie, Disappointment Boulevard, has been described as a decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. It will be a little different direction for... Um, the director Ari Aster because they did uh, Midsummer or Midsummer and uh, what was that other one they did another horror one. Great question, no clue. They, uh, you know, I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll get our uh, I'll get our yeah. consultants to look it up. Uh, Hereditary. Hereditary, that's it, definitely. Okay, well, this new one is actually a non-horror movie. Uh, the cast includes Joaquin Phoenix, Nathan Lane, Patty Lupone, Amy Ryan, Michael Gandolfini, and Parker Posey. Uh, it's I, I don't know about that cast, who cares, but Joaquin Phoenix is always good. There is a... Lead uh, Man and A24, which is Ari Aster's now just... Or Ari Aster? Ari Aster. I don't know. Ari? It could be Ari? I thought it was, it was Ari. Ari. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll Either go with way. Ari. We'll change it to Ari. It's Ari Aster now. Uh, I'm sure he <laughs> uh, doesn't mind. Uh, but yeah, that... Uh, yeah, he's had this partnership with A24 for uh, a hot minute, I believe. Uh, there was a set photo I saw that came out a couple days ago, and Joaquin Phoenix has a big old, like, fat belly, almost, it looks like a suit, but pretty real, and he's balding and wireframe glasses, so. And proving that uh, being vegan can make you fat, so watch out, <laughs> wow, don't be that's... vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Heard it here first from John Pena, resident <laughs> vegan, don't be vegan. Okay. Yeah, it makes you fat. Just look at him. <laughs> Moving on to Jordan Peele's newest movie is going to be titled Nope. It will star Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, it's got a new ambiguous poster where there's some clouds and it's got like a balloon string and the clouds are a halo. It's a really weird poster, but hey, it's Jordan Peele's new movie. We're gonna uh-huh. watch it. Yeah, we're hype. We're I mean, hype. even though, uh, was it Us? Was that what it was called? Yeah, that, the last the one. Last one? Yeah, yeah, even though Us mm-hmm. wasn't my favorite movie, he's earned, you know, enough credit with Get Out, so I don't care. For sure. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, I, I don't want to detract too much, but um, I, I hadn't finished my thought on uh, the Disappointment Boulevard. Oh, yeah. So it's not like a biopic, right? Like, this is like an original drama. I believe so. It might be, Cause it's, you know, based it's on like, real life, but... Right, but like the person that Joaquin Phoenix playing is not like necessarily a real person. It might just I, be like an amalgamation. Okay, yes. okay, okay, okay. Because it said one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. I'm like, can we not name drop that person? It didn't specify, so I yeah, <laughs> right. I assume it's right. just the so it's just a made up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right, right. That's so uh, yeah, uh, I assume we'll see the downfall of them. You know. But yeah. Uh. So yeah, Jordan Peele. Nope. Also seems dope. Comes um, out and uh, Kiki July twenty second, twenty twenty two. Forgot to add that. Yeah, Kiki Palmer. Haven't seen her in. I don't know. A lot of big things lately. What's the jump rope movie? Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, that's the first one that comes to mind. If you asked me yesterday, I probably could have told you. Um, jump jump in? in? Yeah, something like yeah, it's that. Got, yeah. It's got like what's his name? Cordon Blue. Jordan Blue. Yeah, Cordon Blue. Yeah. Is it Cordon? I think it's because that's like Cordon? isn't that the French restaurant <laughs> university thing? Like Cordon Blue. Oh wait. <laughs> You've got me confused. You know how long it's oh, he's, been. He's, Cor- so... he's Corbin. He's Corbin Blue. Okay. Well, Not I mean... to be confused with Le Cordon Blue. <laughs> yeah, can you really blame us? I, I don't know about that. <laughs> his parents had to know that someone was yeah. going to get that. Just a little confused. but uh, For sure. Yeah, I mean. But she, yeah, she was in, what, Akeel and the Bee, that movie, Jump In. Yep. Um, yep. 
but that's all like mid two thousands, late two thousands. Yeah, and what's she been in since then? Child actress, right? Hustlers. She was in that apparently. I haven't seen that. I heard that's good. I heard it's a good one. She's J Lo. Duff, but uh, just nothing that I've, I've seen in the last minute or two. Uh, Same. Yeah, but uh, moving on to some more new movie announcements. Nickelodeon has confirmed it is creating a Baby Sharks movie. Yes, we were all waiting for it. I'm sure we knew it was about to happen. I mean, Paw Patrol the movie comes out in like a month, so it's not really surprising that we're going to get oh, a Baby whoa, whoa. Sharks movie. But Paw Patrol is like a, at least like a real IP for them. Like, every small child I know loves Paw Patrol. You don't think every small child knows the Baby Shark song? Knows the baby shark song that doesn't mean it's an IP that deserves a movie. Too bad it's getting a movie, so I don't know. I like like the Paw Patrol movie is not an offense to me, you know. Like the Dora movie wasn't an offense. The way it came out and how it was done was an offense. Okay, you hold know, on. it's not, the, Dora it's not movie the idea is of making a movie because it was like ten years after Dora has been off the air. So well, I know, cared? but even if that if that had come out even when we were little, you think you would, I mean it would have been like the Drake Bell live action better. Timmy Turner thing. I would have been like, this is terrible. Might have been better. It had an actual Hollywood studio behind it. That that it live had action that thing guy. was just it had like Michael, a TV it had, movie. It had Michael Payne Pena, and he is like just so cringe he's in family go-to. comedies. No, he's the worst. <laughs> anyway, Baby Shark movie. Yeah. Uh, I want it to be canceled. Um, okay. It offends my culture. Wow. Um, and as a result, uh, I'm going to be suing Nickelodeon. Just wait for the coming weeks. You'll see that lawsuit come out publicly. <laughs> you should just tweet at them. That might, that might scare them a bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really want to talk about this. I'll talk about this next one a little more. Uh, Michael B. Jordan and his production company, Outlier Society, have partnered with HBO Max to develop a limited series focusing on a character named Val Zod, who is a DC super character who is a black Kryptonian that held the mantle of Superman for an X amount of time. Uh, we literally just talked about black Superman movie two months ago, maybe a month and a yeah, half ago. Month ago. Yeah. And it was rumored that Michael B. Jordan was going to play him, but I guess that rumor got this a little twisted since he will be playing a black Superman, but not the Clark Kent black Superman that we'll see next year. Uh, yeah, because that one's, you know, the separate J.J. Abrams Bad Robot. Uh, yeah, this is going to be an HBO Max limited series. Well, now, is he playing him, or is it just his production company? He's possibly starring in. But yeah. I assume Michael B. Jordan's the type of guy who will star in the things, you know, he's producing. Like uh, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. Plain B Films makes all of Brad Pitt's films, so. No. Did you know that uh, his production company, Outlier Society, has like a deal with Amazon Studios? I did not. Yeah, I don't know how, for how many movies, but I'm, I'm like, I looked up Outlier Society to see what other movies his company has been attached to, and that was like the first article that came up was uh, they have this film deal with Amazon Studios. So I guess we'll see more Michael B. Jordan produced movies coming out yeah. real soon. I mean, as I've said before, I don't understand how production contracts work because. Wouldn't you think right, Amazon would have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how did HBO Max acquire this? Uh, probably just because DC. Right, right, right. Maybe, maybe but... they had the project, and then they outreached to production companies for funding, and he was it's like, oh, yeah, so I'll weird. throw some money in the pot. But, you know, I play they're superhero. already producing Amazon stuff. I don't know, man. It's I don't so know. Weird. I don't know how it works. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's funny that you mentioned the Black Superman thing because that's all I was going to say, basically, was that, like, oh, it's interesting that I, like, I wonder if these two things are related at all, and, of course, no, they're not, but nope. it's cool. Uh, I mean – 
you know, they're in the DC universe related, but oh, probably not also, in the same cinematic universe or also whatever. Because I can't help myself, but uh, and we'll, we'll we'll do a fact check. We'll replay the VOD, uh, but you said the uh, Black Kryptonian instead of Kryptonian. So these are not actually black toads. These are okay. uh, black people okay. from Krypton. <laughs> All right. You knew what I meant. I think most people, if they know things, and since I said DC, I, I just I like the idea knows. that it's like a toad world. It's like a, <laughs> it's just a black uh, frog with Superman powers. Frog Thor. I think uh, Thor got turned into a frog one time. And so he That's had to... such a Marvel thing. Yeah. It's like, if you can say it, it's been done in their comic books. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a he had a uh, cameo in the Loki show. There was a little, I think there was a little frog, frog Thor in like two seconds of it. God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, I'll take more Frog Thor. I'll take Kryptonians. I'll take a movie about Kryptonians. All right, Kryptonians versus Cybertonians. It's Transformers and DC. I'm into it. Okay, Transformers, <laughs> Cybertodes, Cybertodians. You know, it, yeah, just get the Futurama mixed Hypnotodes in there, like the whole thing. Like, they, hey, they have the, the Beast Wars movies coming out. Perfect time to introduce the Cybertodians, the robot Transformers. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Netflix is reportedly not officially, just reportedly creating a series based on Dragon Age. Uh, that is the video game series that EA has made the last. 15 20 years uh i'm not a huge fan of dragon age but i know some people who are i hope it's an animated thing that way i'll actually watch it uh if it's live action i don't know it takes a lot for me to watch some live action fantasy and what would differentiate it from netflix's other 20 live action fantasies so i don't know i know people who might be excited about it so dragon age show might be coming out who knows and some more Netflix news. Netflix is working on a live-action Pokemon series that is going to be headed up by Lucifer and Almost Humans showrunner Joe Henderson. Uh, is apparently going to be in the spirit of, but not directly related to, Detective Pikachu. Um, so yeah, just off the last bit there, the Detective Pikachu bit, aren't we slated for another one of those at some point? I, I could have stopped? I sworn they announced the sequel, but then they never talked about it ever again. I, I could have right, sworn like, they announced the sequel like a month after the movie came out. Yes, yeah, that's why I like I swore we talked about it. If not on this thing, then just like as friends that talk about shit. Because Take a peek at you came out with like twenty nineteen. Yeah, that sounds right. Um It wasn't COVID. So Right, yeah. And like it was, you know, the Ryan Reynolds thing and he was like attached to the second one, I thought. So I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure if you knew any more than I did, but I mean this is cool, but I'm like, do I really want a detective pikachu like thing instead of just another detective pikachu because i think i I would have rather just had a detective pikachu well i mean if they get the tone right because the detective pikachu movie borrowed a lot from pokemon the movie but it it it, it changed the tone a lot i mean you know there's a kid-friendly battle anime and then detective pikachu's more of a i don't know family comedy movie so it is a definite change in tone so i hope Instead of a Detective Pikachu 2, it kind of goes into this and we get more, I don't know, uh, open stories. You know, Detective Pikachu was so closed in. So like, hey, this one kid with the one Pikachu, you know, doing the one thing. Whereas I think a Netflix show can maybe open it up. You could see all the Pokemon doing their jobs, you know. You could even go into that. What's the, what's the Pokemon socioeconomic uh, political sphere like, you know? Like, how are they treated in the workplace? Uh there's, I think there's a lot of things that they could touch up on without, you know, 
without straying too far from the family comedy thing or the tone of Detective Pikachu. Well, and again, it's Netflix, so I'm sure it'll probably be worth at least taking a gander at, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I definitely hope they get that CG studio or the CGI studio. I mean, Detective Pikachu had some awesome CGI. They they absolutely nailed everything. So if they want to CGI some more Pokemon for me, I'll watch it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny or front. But uh, some more Netflix news. Netflix has confirmed Army of the Dead Two is in the works, slated for next summer. Moving on, Universal's Peacock uh, <laughs> streaming service has acquired the rights to a new Exorcist trilogy that will see Ellen Burstein. Sorry about that. I don't know. Ellen Burstein reprise her role of Chris McNeil, the mother of the possessed child in the original Exorcist movie. Uh, this will be a new trilogy of movies. Universal Peacock has partnered with Bloomhouse and have closed a $400 million deal for this trilogy of movies. Uh, they will be directed by David Gordon Green, who directed the recent Halloween movie and the next Halloween Kills. I don't know why. What like? Why would you buy a trilogy of movies? That's insanity, right? Let's not buy I mean, one movie. <laughs> Let's buy a trilogy. And it's for a series that is just, like, dying, you that, know? Yeah, like, that is not in the zeitgeist anymore. They, I mean, forget, forget a genre that's dying, because horror is dying. But right. uh, specifically, like, Exorcist, I mean, even, like, those Annabelle movies they made, whatever, like, four or five of, which are, like, Exorcist-like, you know? They might even be in the Exorcist-verse, <laughs> maybe. <think> so. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, either way. conjuring verse. Conjure, that's what it is, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that, uh, I don't know, man, just it seems like such a weird move, and it's expensive. <laughs> like, Very expensive, that's more than 100 million each movie, so it's kind of well, weird. Well, and that's just for the rights, not even the production. Well, I, I think that's, I think that's everything. I think it's like, I think that's the budget with everything, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, if they just paid 400 million dollars for a piece of paper that legally lets them make the movie, I'm like, but that's, They're I mean, but this 400, this 400 plus million is not marketing, you know? They're still going to have to yeah, but... spend a shit ton on that. Uh, and then, like, I don't know, the staggering of sequel budgets has got to work a, in a weird way, you know? Because, you know, the first one always has a lesser budget, and the sequel usually always has a bigger budget. So it's kind of weird that you have a set price tag, and you're going to have to work uh, within that. So, the sequel of a movie that does well has bigger budget. Right, that's why I said usually, <laughs> usually has a bigger budget, not a direct-to-DVD sequel. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know, Peacock's doing whatever. And is it going to be a Peacock movie? Because it specifically says Universal and Peacock, so so who knows, who knows. Maybe it's like an HBO, HBO Max thing, part movie theater, part streaming service? I'm not too sure, and I'm just now remembering there was an Exorcist TV show three years ago on Fox that got canceled after one season. So the IP is really thriving. Really yeah, thriving. it's alive and well. All right. Uh, moving on to a weird piece of news. But, uh, yeah, I just don't know about this one. Uh, according to a recent interview with Collider, producers John Davis and John Fox revealed the title of the new Predator movie. Uh, it will be titled Skull. Cool. Yep. Uh, uh, Skull will be a female-fronted origin story tracing the Predator's first journey to Earth. Uh, we've already reported on this. The rumors were completely true. Comanche Native American woman or a Comanche-like Native American woman and First Predator. 
we talked about that back in like December, I think. So uh, what's the timeline on it? It's supposed to be like sixteen hundreds. I I think pre-colonial. I, I, that's my only guess. That's you know, so but uh, perhaps even before like fourteen hundred. Well, that's the thing. If they stick to the lore they've created, I think in Alien versus Predator, the Predators visit the Mayans. So they're going to have to somehow work their way around making a Native American tribe older than, you know, Mayans. I mean, if we're old. to follow Prometheus, we're all just like some black goo that aliens dropped off on Earth anyway. I, so. Okay, they are probably actually sticking to that. <laughs> they, they, can't, they can't not stick to that. Well, I don't know if the lore of the AVP universe, I don't know how the crossovers Is it how tied they are? <laughs> I have no idea because... Because the Wayland yutani is a company in AVP, so that would kind of make it canonical. But, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm not too sure about that. Uh, I just hate Skull. Skull? You want to call a Predator movie just Skull? How are... Yeah. Like, what... Like, I immediately think Skull Island, like, caught. Like, yeah, exactly. What does exactly. Skull mean? How is or anyone like, uh, going to know what that is? What's in, the Nick like, Cage? movie poster? Riding a motorcycle, Ghost Rider. Marvel Ghost Rider. I think Ghost Rider as well. It's skull. I think that, or I think any other skull before I think a predator's helmet, which isn't a skull. So I don't know. Maybe I, don't know. I mean, obviously I don't they're probably gonna have some sort of imagery in the movie that explains why it's named Skull. But at least Predator colon Skull would have been, I think, a little better. Yeah, yeah, it's subtitled but, for uh, sure. At the moment, Skull is the title. I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, well, see, and this is, I, I feel like we've had this conversation before, but I'm not a huge fan of subtitles, but I'm also not a huge fan of insert name nine. You know, like Fast Nine can go fuck itself. Right. If you have nine movies, like they should be unique movies at that point. You should have a unique title. This is the antithesis of that, which is like, well, now we gave you a unique title. You don't even know what the fucking project's about. And you're like, but it's a Predator movie. <laughs> right? Like, shouldn't they should have know Predator plastered everywhere? Right. Or, or or just, like, it could be called, like, The Hunt, and I would think it's a Predator movie. Yeah, honestly, that's more Predator. <laughs> you know? But Skull? I'm just like, there's, like, zero Skull iconography, I feel like. There's, there's like, nothing inherently, like, Skull about a yeah. Predator. There's nothing... Skull doesn't yeah. denote anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems more like like wizardry or like you know necromancy. Like yeah. it just it doesn't seem. Those are know. like super tech aliens that hunt humans for sport. I think scalp <laughs> like, would have been better just because it's like native. I, uh, I don't know anything. I yeah. just know anything would have been better than skull. I yeah. really hope it gets a subtitle or it's predator skull. But right now. We'll see Skull next year. <laughs> Dan Trachtenberg, Trattenberg. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, yeah, he was the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane. We've already reported on this before. Okay, you. speaking of another update on a story we've talked about before, you know that Die Hard reboot we talked about that was going to be Charlize Theron, <clears throat> but then a producer came in and said they're actually making another Die Hard with John McClane, and it was going to be halfway set in the 70s there's gonna be like a prequel sequel thing okay well both things are dead <laughs> the diehard nice. movie is dead yeah the 70s one apparently got disrupted by the fox disney merger and i'm assuming disney watched it or saw what they were doing and just wasn't loving it so disney has since scrapped diehard uh not gonna get a diehard reboot for a second 
as you know, this show is not the biggest fans of Die Hard, really, uh, <laughs> during our review of that movie. But uh, of the yeah. best Christmas movie of all time, easily. I mean, it's it's probably up there. No, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, just cause. But, no. Uh, if, well, that, if you watch this show and that's your opinion, please unsubscribe. Tell all your don't friends unsubscribe. to not watch don't it. Don't do that. <laughs> don't follow us any longer. I don't want you to listen to my thoughts. You don't deserve them. You can only do that if you insist on putting frame smoothing and motion smoothing yeah, on okay. your TV. Then, you then we can talk. Then we can talk. <laughs> that's when I will I'll kick you out personally. You're out of here. But uh, right. yeah, moving on to some non-cancellation news. Oh, wait, actually, that's a psych. This is cancellation news. I, <laughs> I psyched myself out. Uh, Arthur, the popular PBS kids show, is finally ending after 25 seasons on the air. Uh, it's been 26 years, I think. It debuted in 95 or 96. I, I you know, I skimmed through it. I just 96, saw the important I think, thing. right? 25 years? I don't know if it's, you know, PBS, they might do their seasons weird. I just assumed it'd be, like, longer than that. But, uh, yeah, whatever. Arthur is ending uh, next year, 2022. So, bye-bye, Arthur. Yeah, and... pay your respects now. Buy all the merch. Yeah, totally. Well, all listen that to sick that. Arthur merch. Listen to that Chance the Rapper remix of the Arthur song. You know, classic song. Uh, classic. Yeah. yeah. And moving on <laughs> to the He's really last. doing the Lord's work, isn't he, Chance? <laughs> that was, like, during 10-day time, so... You know, that was early. But uh, moving on to our last group of news. This one this one I have to report on because I have to. Spotify and Warner Bros. and DC have announced they are creating a scripted podcast called Batman Unburied. But what's important here is HBO Max is creating their own scripted podcast for HBO Max. So Warner Bros. and DC decide to partner with Spotify to make another podcast and I'll never understand how these situations work. Like, why would you not just make this a max podcast or whatnot? I don't know. Have you even tried to listen to a HBO max podcast? I don't know. Have they come out yet? I haven't yes. Even oh, really? And I only found this out because I was watching the Nick oh. and it was like, Oh, do you want to listen to the Nick podcast? I said, there's a Nick podcast a Nick on podcast? HBO. <laughs> yeah. I didn't listen, but Weird. It like it was like recommended to me after like not even it was like you know the little HBO Max pre-show blurb that you can press skip on it was that oh and it was like hyperlinked okay weird weird yeah it was very strange all right uh well moving on to the non nonsensical part of this piece of news uh Black Panther's Winston Duke will voice Bruce Wayne and Jason Isaacs will voice Alfred um. I know it's not live action, but I'm pretty sure that's the first time a black actor played Batman. It's got to be one of the first. Uh, doesn't matter. Sounds like a good cast. I probably won't listen to it, but Jason Isaacs as Alfred. Yes, please. If he oh, could be Alfred no. in, no. in a real movies, one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. That would be fantastic. Uh, I know um, what's his name is probably going to do just fine as Alfred, but Jason Isaacs would be really good. Uh, yeah, moving on to some other news. We Last week we talked about, uh, who was it? Was it A24 was trying to sell themselves off for a few billion dollars? Maybe. I think it was A24. Well, this week, uh, apparently Legendary Entertainment is looking at the possibility of a sale or a merger. It was, around... it was, 
It, it was A24, sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. Valued around $3.5 billion. Uh, around the same price tag as A24. So if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that sounds about right. Kind of, kind of weird that they are valued or mm-hmm. evaluated at the same price. Maybe they just merge and boom, Whoa, seven if mil. Legendary and A24 merge. That would be just a, a titan of a movie industry because I mean, Legendary makes all the just the big gritty movies. I mean, I think they first started out with what 300 and with Zack Snyder's films, and then moved on to mm-hmm. DC films. Legendary's worked their way up, and now they do the uh, what the MonsterVerse, Kong, Godzilla, all those films. They're doing the Gundam film for Netflix. So I don't understand how they have the same valuation as A24. Because uh, uh, A24 turns really low indie projects into high grossing films. Bank like for the Hereditary and Mid- Midsommar. Those are all like less than, I think, 40 mil to make each. And they each made like nearly 100 or more than 100 mil. Right. Excuse me. So, like, you can pretty much always expect with just with the A twenty four tag to get like two X return, which is, yeah, no one's going to complain about that. Yeah. I've, and I've, they make yeah. they they produce a lot of movies because they can work with such smaller budgets, right? So like, Legendary say. probably does one or two pictures a year. A twenty four probably does like five or six. Right. So right, they might right. end up making the same amount of money even though they work on a much smaller titles. I you know I'm I'm curious to see. I, I would just like to see both these companies' budgets just to like. I don't know. I would love to just see these numbers side by side just to compare and, I don't know, see uh, how they got to an equal price tag. But, uh, yeah, moving on to some weird news. I, You know what? I enjoy this news. Uh, South Park creators Dre Par- Dre, Trey Parker and, <laughs> and <laughs> Dr. Matt, Dre. <laughs> Matt Stone are attempting to purchase Casa Bonita. Uh, Summit Family Restaurants, who own Casa Bonita, filed for bankruptcy last year and closed down. So now these two are trying to buy Casa Bonita. If you know the reference to Casa Bonita, it's a South Park episode way back when, 10 plus, 10 years ago maybe. Uh, yeah, I just think this is hilarious because if Trey Parker and Matt Stone actually bought a restaurant because they wrote a joke about the restaurant in their show, that's... Right, right. that's that's peak yeah, comedy. That's, that's peak, peak life. Just peak universe, best timeline well, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, fin- finish the quote. I mean, oh, it's right oh there. sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Trey Parker, I don't believe Matt Stone said this. Trey Parker was quoted by saying, "It would be a crowning achievement in my career." So, so yes, peak life. <laughs> yeah, very like he's just very correct about that. Uh, that'd be hilarious. I think it'd be funny if they tried to theme it after South Park. You know, I, I think that's obvious. Just have cutouts of the characters. You know, make it like Hard Rock Cafe, but South Park and Casamonita. <laughs> It'd be awful, and I don't know. I'm I'm kind of excited to see how this turns out. But apparently, some legal troubles. Apparently, it's harder to buy a restaurant than you'd think. I don't know. Uh, yeah, take some time or something. Even if well, you and have if Google's like, money. I wonder, like, I wonder if the meaning behind it matters to them too. Like, I'm sure the Summit Family Restaurants is like, how much do we really want to sell it to them as a joke? You know, like it's like their whole livelihood, right? Like they really made the restaurant for real and sincerity, and now someone's going to buy it as a joke, you well, know, just to uh, piss on them. Trey Parker and Matt Stone want to continue to operate the restaurant. Right, I'm sure. I'm saw. sure. I'm not saying that they wouldn't operate, but like definitely a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how much pride do you have in yourself to sell something of yours that has real, like, um, emotional value to you to sell it to someone else as a joke? Whether they still do it the same way, it doesn't matter. Well, actually, you know? in the full interview, uh, they actually talk about how they want to reinvent the food because it's a little stale after a while. <laughs> yeah. There it is. They, so they have ideas. These two guys are 
There's something else. That's all. Uh, <laughs> They're restaurant entrepreneurs, Trey <laughs> Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and our last piece of news. This is not news. This is another stupid interview. Piece oh, this is a, this is an important. He's finally putting to bed the uh, the great debate. The great debate. <laughs> All right, this man. Okay, Joe Pitka. I believe that's how you say his last name. Who is the director of a little movie called Space Jam One? Uh, he was quoted as saying in an interview this week, "LeBron ain't Michael Jordan." And there and it is. Then he goes on to say. It took him five settings or five sittings to watch a new legacy. He's not wrong about either of those two things. Uh, I'm not surprised. Five sittings seems a little low ball, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he uh, Joe Pitka does not like Space Jam Two, and uh, just like the rest of America, I think doesn't yeah, really just love like Space the, Jam like, Two. Well, like anyone under the age of ten, I would yeah. say, can very fairly say they don't love the new one. With the caveat of if you have children that fall under that age range, you may be biased because it brings them so much joy that you might just be picking back, piggybacking off their laughs, etc. So if you're not in either of those category, you should fucking hate this movie. Otherwise, there, you, there's something severely wrong with you. Yeah, uh, so listen to the wise words of Joe Pitka, okay? <laughs> yes. Well, and, and the debate he finally put the rest is that obviously Michael Jordan just a better basketball player. Ron than ain't Michael Jordan. Yeah, uh, so he talked about it in the interview. He talked about just – how LeBron didn't have the whole outreach that Michael did. He said LeBron's a basketball player, and people just think he's a basketball player, whereas Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. There was just, you know, you thought of him as right. He was the a whole ass enterprise, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Joe Picca, not a fan. Uh, the last piece of news, though. Go and move on. Um, yeah, I guess I can do that. So uh, this week uh, we've got a bunch of new albums, thank Christ, um, and interesting ones. So we have uh, Billy Eilish, Billy Eilish's new one, um, "Happier Than Ever," um, which honestly might be uh, a source of some one? debate. Yes, yes. For um, what what we've listened to or what we've chosen to listen to for this week, but uh, we might have to push this one back a week or two. But I'm sure we will end up listening to it just because we listen to so many of the singles, etc. Either way, uh, "Happier Than Ever" comes out July 30th. Uh, also, the Bleachers' new album. Um, that's the uh, Jack Antonoff. So Jack Antonoff's the guy I constantly mm. jerk off on this podcast who writes for Taylor Swift and Lord oh, okay, and just yeah, okay. a million people. Um, and this is his band that he is with after fun. Uh, and their new album, uh, it's their third album, I believe. It's called uh, Take the Sadness Out of Saturday Night. Um, it'll probably be the same kind of thing, indie pop with some very like, jazzy random like steel drums things spattered about for whatever reasons um it's really good though uh isaiah rashad's the house is burning is coming out uh logic's bobby tarantino three okay yeah. Hold i'm on. going to listen to it but i just want to talk about how much i'm going to hate it every second of that hold on i think you skipped dave east and harry fraud putting out a project called hoffa come on harry fraud he still produces things He's still Do in there. Care? He's still there, dude. Harry Fraud. All right, all right. Dave Easton, Harry Fraud, Hoffa, whatever. Harry Fraud was pivotal for me getting into hip-hop, okay? Even though he's not the best producer, his beats were. So, gotta give him respect. Yeah, uh, you know, okay. That's true, that's true. Um, And then, yeah, we have uh, Prince? Question mark? Yeah, what? Uh, welcome to America, with the number two instead of two. Uh, I really don't know if this is like a real posthumous thing or if this is like a, I don't know, like a state 
super duper like uh, best greatest hits kind of thing. That's what I assume. But either way, it's not titled greatest hits, so I'm gonna talk about it like it's a real album. Well, I think it was rumored that America. he had like six thousand songs in his vault, so I could imagine that. Yeah, so, imagine that. so it, it might I mean, totally be a posthumous thing. I forget what it was, but like right after Mac Miller's death, there was like a you know one of his friends was talking about how much unreleased music Mac Miller had on Twitter. And it, I mean, it was in the mid to high thousands. And obviously Prince is probably, if not a more prolific, at least just had such a longer life and career that like, yeah. obviously he would have a sizable amount of music as well. Yeah, I, I would um, doubt it if it's a posthumous release. And then the final one I want to talk about, because we're doing these alphabetically as they appear on the Wikipedia page that I read them from, uh, <laughs> is uh, Young Doll. Uh, hmm. and various artists, question mark. And I don't know if that's because it's a true group collab album. Um, I could not find any details about it. Uh, if Maybe it's a true it's group like... collab album, or it's just because those are the features and they're not fully disclosed. I don't know. I was thinking maybe it's like his group of rappers, you know? Like right, like just like his local crew, people. like his, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor game um, to Wiz kind of thing, yep. you know. I figured. But again, wouldn't it, like, why wouldn't they just be called Taylor like, Gang? the Taylor yeah, Gang Project? Yeah, know. exactly. That's why I was name recognition right. i don't know wizard's name i don't know paper route <laughs> illuminati is what that's called paper uh, route illuminati that's not okay it's all not right. the worst yeah, honestly right. i mean it's just a lot of words but the meaning is all like the feeling is there for yeah, sure I'm, so I'm, it's I'm all good it. to me yeah. um and yeah besides that well that's all that's all we got yeah i don't see anything i mean there's a john batiste album that came out today that's a live album but eh, don't care about that Live Schmive. What'd you do this exactly. week? Live Schmive, dude. Live Schmive. Um, so I have been binging the absolute poop off of the Nick. Yes. Uh, I am on season two, like episode yeah, four. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> you watch more TV than I... Well, I mean, you watch more of one series than I did this week. I watched... Well, I just... I've had nothing to do, really. Oh. It's a good show. And yeah, it's excellent. I think I used all of my day yesterday to just basically just spam watch episodes. Um, tremendous. Uh, and also that podcast thing was something I want to bring up, but it kind of came up more naturally from the news. So perfect. But I just thought that was so interesting. I was like, HBO Max fucking news? Like, stop. Um, do you know who uh, Tig Notaro is, the uh, yeah, comedian? I like her stand-up. Popular lesbian comedian, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and she... Uh, she has a new special on HBO hmm. that's all animated. Oh, hey. It's just her hey doing now. stand-up. Now we're talking. But it's animated. That's and I was what like, I oh, mean. this could be that's what I, I was mean. like, this I was like, this could be cool. So I started it and I don't know. I was just like turned off by just like the little oh, intro bit. Oh. I what well, and it wasn't that it, it couldn't have been funny. I didn't even like wait to the jokes. I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this. Like she like walked out on stage and they were cheering and stuff, but it's a fucking cartoon. And I was like, I don't like I'm not ready for whatever this is about to be, so I just turned it off. So, check that out. I was just—I just, just yeah, thought it was interesting. It's super interesting. Um, uh, and then, as far as other shows, obviously, I devoted a lot of time to one thing, so I really didn't do a ton else as oh, far as uh, um, movies, TV. Before we move on, before we move on, I wanted to talk about the Nick. Uh, mm-hmm. You know the yeah, guy? Yeah. yeah, this is what I want to say the other day. You know the guy, Birdie. Bertrand? Yeah, Birdie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you know who he's from or what he's from? Not that off the top of my head. He looks familiar. It looks familiar, right? Right, right? He is the main character in the Disney movie Sky High. He's the main character? He's the main super kid. Yeah. 
in Sky High. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. God damn <laughs> yep. way is That's that why true. I wanted to wait to tell you right now. Because nobody no. expects that. Yep, yes sir. Holy shit. Great actor. Great actor. He just, I guess, probably took a bad turn when he accepted Sky High. <laughs> no, Sky High's a great movie. Fuck off. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's not great in a conventional sense. It's just great for my nostalgia. But it was, it was inter- like, what an interesting and that was story. Before the MCU, even though it, too. Even though it failed miserably. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Holy shit, that just blew <laughs> right. my whole life. I'm like, I'm contemplating everything, all of my life decisions, everything. Um, but yeah, uh, so I've been keeping up with Rick and Morty. Uh, it was the only other thing I was really going to mention as far as TV and movies go. Um, Still funny. So here's where it's getting weird. So what they're doing, I think, is probably good in terms of the health of the show. Like, I can now see the validity in having as many seasons as they're going to have. Because what's happened is they've, and it's probably just from the length of the show as well. Like they're probably bored in the writers' room doing the same shticks and making the same kind of gags. Yeah. Um, but they're really doing interesting writing. Like the episode creation and design is seems very fun and it's very interesting ideas that like this whole season is like each one has taken, uh, maybe not, maybe not the first one, everything else, the last five episodes of this season. Um, take like really unique approaches, kind of like how you would think like the Meeseeks box. Like they took a whole episode and said, "What if you had a device that let you do whatever you wanted? Right. What would be the drawback?" And it was like, "Oh, we're gonna spawn a blue guy, and the blue guy's gonna cause chaos if he can't die." You know, like it's all in that kind of vein where there's these like interesting implications. And so, like the most recent one was like it's a Thanksgiving episode, and it uh, basically every year Rick prevents himself from getting incarcerated in the United States. Uh, by turning himself into a turkey and the president <laughs> pardons him. <laughs> and I'm like, that's such a fucking fun, stupid-ass concept. So, like, it's just the whole shtick of how does he get the president to pardon him this year? Uh, and, of course, there's some contrived nonsense that goes down to expand the whole episode and make it a real thing. But, like, everything has, like, a point like that. It's not just, like, you know, like, interdimensional cable, if they did a third one or something, that would be, like, very lazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, yeah. it's a funny topic, but, like, you know, you don't want to reuse the same shit. And so, I don't know why, but I'm getting the sense it's almost like a Simpsons couch gag, but every episode, in a way. Like, it just changes the actual elements of things, rather than classic sitcom where it's just pointless events. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, obviously they are overall pointless, but for sure, yeah. they the vehicle is different, and they're not just like... It feels like they're not tied to one thing, is what I'm getting at. Like... They could spend a whole episode not talking about any of the main characters at this point, and I don't think anyone would be too thrown for a loop. Mm, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, do you think they'll like, ever you know, do like, a mixed medium episodes? Just different um, art styles? I think I think down the line probably. I don't think as of yet. Like that would probably be more of like the interdimensional cable vibe, right? Like oh, this is a universe where everything's three D. Everything's stop motion, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But again, uh I, I think it's really this is better TV, but it's not nearly as funny. So, you know, take the trade off what you will. Okay, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's, I think it's totally worth watching. It's at least interesting from someone who watches a lot of TV and movies that like, oh, wow, this is like cool and interesting. And they're really thinking about shit. Um, 
but yeah, that's it. That's pretty much all I watched. So then music, uh, also quite a lot just because a lot of free time this week. Um, hey, what are you Cal- doing that's squeaking? Is that you? <laughs> squeaking? A, there was a squeak. Oh, maybe just me moving in this oh, chair too much. Sorry. <clears throat> um, so, uh, Khaled, uh, New Normal, uh, I listened to, new single. Um, pretty good. Probably has a thing coming out soon, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, uh, he kind of, not into obscurity, but it seems like he's kind of dropped off from people's views. I think he's just chilling, right? Like, when he had that 20, it's a while ago. 2019 album? Two years? Oh, he had a 2019 album? Maybe I was... Yeah, it's I like Free Spirit. Because he had the 2017 one that got big that's, and huge, yeah, and that's, that's how he made his saying. name, right? American right. Teen. And then he had Free Spirit two years later. Um which, I mean, it had some good songs, but yeah, I don't think it was it nearly hit the height that American Teen did. Uh, but yeah, I guess he slowly released it. He had like three singles this year, so I'm sure there's an album on the way this year at some point. Maybe. Um, and this was an, another fun, like, I mean, if you like Cal Sound here and like the single, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, then there was this, uh, I'm not even sure if it's a singular artist. I should probably figure that out before I talk and say dumb shit, but uh, Child, Child. <laughs> with a bunch of eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's a group that's under the name or if it's just one person, but either way, uh, sounds like one person's stupid idea to name their group child, (laughs) but okay. I mean, you know, you just know what I mean? Like, is that really like their, I don't know. It just seems either way. It seems like a silly ish name for music. That's not particularly like hearted. Um, but yeah, I like that little single, um, or, sorry, not that single. There is a whole album oh. um, that was recommended to me, and I put this one song on the playlist from it um, that I like the most. Um, it's, I mean, it's a fine album. Uh, it came out this year. It's pretty good. But um, this one song is my favorite. Anyway, uh, then Lawrence, a band that we've talked about before numerous times, uh, people on John Bellion's label, blah, 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 their brother and sister or something. Um, oh, my God damn. That's uh, so so better. I intentionally put what is the worst song from this project oh, on here, good. okay, and go ahead. It's the John Bellion featured one, <laughs> like no fucking shit. Um, the rest of the project is honestly not terrible, but I mean it's the same problems we've talked about with them. Like it's just monotonous and just so like I don't know. They they're like stuck in a generation that no longer exists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it has now become amorphous and they are just like, No, look at us. You remember us? Like Matt and Kim. We're <laughs> we're oh, here yeah. and we're alive. Totally. Yeah, uh obviously Leon Bridges, uh Jeremy Zucker, who's a pop singer I've talked about numerous times now, um, uh had a new single that's pretty good. Uh the big one I really want to talk about, I'll kinda of skip over the rest of these, um is Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow's new single, because I really liked it uh and this is the first this is the first little nosex song i mean i guess the call me by your name one that also came out this year i think Did that one come out this year? yeah the yeah i yeah, don't like I that one. By your name. yeah i did not like that one that much but i like heard it a lot and so i was like eh, you know this is like the, it was way more traditionally radio friendly than i thought most of little nosex's music was up to that point and so just like the production on it rang better in my ear. And then we came to this one, and I'm like, okay, this sounds a lot more just like classic radio hit. 
but with Lil Nas X on it, and it happens to be good in my opinion. And obviously, I'm now unfortunately a Jack Carlos stand. So, oh wow, uh, you're here we are. That? Yeah, I think so. I think I've I've fully converted. <laughs> I think that happened right after uh, Tyler Hero 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 came out. I don't right. know. I don't watch basketball, but however you say that guy's last name, I don't Soda, care. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. That's pretty much it. James Blake had a single that I wanted to talk about more, but it's so James Blakey that I'm like, like if you like more, James Blake, yeah. 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 But yeah, it wasn't. It didn't do anything crazy. Um, same with this childish major one, and same with this. Uh, I'll, I'll actually I'll, I'll mention this one. So there's a, a single by, again, I guess a person named Knight Lavelle, um, and uh, it's called A Lot. Uh, came out this year, and I don't know how it was on my recommendations from Spotify, but I like it a lot. Um, and then this Yeba Smino song, but I'll let you talk about that one. Um, yeah. Because that was like your one thing. You yeah, put that, on I, listen, I, did, I, did, I actually didn't do a lot this week, but uh, I didn't, you know, listen to things I wasn't do, watch things I've watched. But uh, yeah, new music. I just listened to that Smino Yeba single. What was that called? I, I didn't even write it down. Uh, Louis Bag. Louis like Bag. Louis yeah. I, you know, I actually really like it. Uh, it's. It doesn't even sound like a Smino song at all. And when Smino first comes in, he like starts to sing, and you're 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 kind of confused for a second because you hope his bar is coming. They they do. So I mean, the song's pretty damn good. I'll probably put uh, Yella on my radar. So you know, I, I guess that's all you can ask for out of a single is to introduce you to a new artist and a feature from one of your favorites. But uh, I'm confused. Pretty good. I don't know anything about. Like, do you know anything about Yeba? Like, Never obviously, heard. you just said you got introduced to a new artist. Yep. So, but like, like, how did her and Smino club? I feel like this music is not Smino's. I, I, music. Am I, I crazy I, to say that? Like, I feel like they're in two different. So I'm saying it doesn't sound like a Smino song, but I'd assume a she's either from Chicago or a nearby area, or b already does or maybe St. Louis. Because he really puts St. Louis. I mean, he's a Chicago rapper because oh. that's where he blew up, but. He represents St. Louis. Cause that's okay, well, okay, well, Chicago or St. Louis. Well, so he's got two locations to pick from. Or she already does hip-hop vocals and she just already knew him. You know, a lot of... Right, like she does, like, backup singing and shit? Yeah, and they don't even get featured, which I think is still a crime. I don't think you should be able to feature someone's vocals without putting a feature on it. Whatever. Not That's a whole she, separate topic. She first became... No- I'm looking her up. She first became known for backing vocal performance on Chance the Rapper's SNL performance of Same Drugs in Boom. 2016. Boom. Didn't get credited you're, for that, did she? You're a legend. She did. You're a legend. But yeah, she apparently she's collabed with uh, PJ Morton, Sam Smith, Stormzy, and Ed Sheeran. And I bet you that Stormzy song didn't have her name on it either. I bet you money, because that's how backup vocalists are treated. But uh, yeah, that's really all I listened to new. I'm surprised I didn't have to say I listened to a new Azizi song, but I guess that break that he was talking about is real. So uh, yeah. Uh, what I watched, though, I watched the first season of The Morning Show, which is an Apple TV Plus Yeah, original. Steve Carell news show. Yeah, but it's actually more about what if you made a TV show about Matt Lauer and like his effects on The Morning Show and not exactly just The Morning Show. Uh, it's, it's very, very Matt Lauer. I mean, 100% Steve Carell's playing Matt Lauer. Um it's 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 pretty good. It's it, I mean you know it's a it's a good show. It's definitely watchable. Uh, I I always want to compare it to Newsroom, the Aaron Sorkin written one with Jeffrey Daniels. 
uh, the Showtime show, I think it was one of those. Uh, Newsroom's amazing, so it's hard not to compare a show about sort of newscast, you know, to that same show. But it still stands up on its own. It's got its own references and subject matter. It's very topical, uh, <laughs> very topical, and... I I don't know what else to say about it because it's not like an incredible piece of television. It's still really good, but you know, that might just be because the budget and it literally has 10 actors that you can recognize, you know, their faces. Uh, so that's always an easy way to get to a, you know, good show. But I do really want to say <clears throat> that, uh, Billy Kradzup, who's an actor who, uh, he played Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen movie. Yeah, okay. Sure. Well, Billy Kradjev has never gotten his time to shine. I've always thought that. I've always, every time I see him, it's like, oh, he's a side character. No one cares. He should have had more, etc. But now he has a real character in a real show, and he's fantastic. He plays a yeah. character named Corey, and he's the best part of the show. He's, like, his acting is just on another level, and it's fi- it finally came to fruition that I've just, I've wanted to see this man on a, not, you know, maybe not a leading role. But, uh, he, apparently, and, he apparently won a primetime Emmy for the morning show. Well, he's amazing at it, so yeah, I, I, I'm definitely, I'm backing that for sure. Uh, he's great, Billy Kradjup's great, and I will literally recommend this show just for the Billy Kradjup experience. You know, uh, one more just random fact. Do you know what his first uh, role in an animated feature film was? <laughs> I, I didn't know he was in animated feature films. Uh, it was 1999. English release of Princess Mononoke. Oh. Who do you voice? Uh, Ashitaka. I'm trying to think. That's not the old man. That's definitely not Princess Mononoke. It's uh, like the young guy. The boy. Huh. 1999. I don't even know how old, like, I don't, like, you know, I, I don't know what age group Billy Cratchit would even be. He know, He's 20... 53 now, so he would so, have been like 30s. Okay, so, okay. Uh, well, whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I would literally recommend this show just for Billy Cratchit. Uh, Jennifer Aniston does fine, you know. <laughs> I, I I think she does deserve some credit because she doesn't really get room to act either. But Billy Cratchit's the star. I'm sorry, personal bias. So you can go watch it. I don't know. We're not. It's it's TV. Uh, yeah, that's that's really all I did, honestly. Do you want to move on to the reviews? Sure. Uh, did we have a preference this week? Because I kind of have a preference, but... What's your preference? I would rather do movie last, and not because the album is worse at all. Okay. But because the album is too good, I don't have much to say, mm-hmm. and that the movie is so bad, I have a lot to say. Okay. Well, uh, not hey, so hey, bad, that, but so offensive. With context, I'll accept your terms. Okay. Uh, so yeah, let's start with Leon Bridges' Gold Digger's Sound. Um, caveat, uh, this is something I forgot to mention in the thing because i don't really talk about podcasts and we've never really talked about podcasts but i did a couple weeks ago and it's just because i don't i'm gonna to try podcasts, to I, think. I know i know i'm gonna just try to slowly feed it in because it's such a great medium but That's um fine. fucking dak shepherd's yeah. thing that i've been listening to we talked about a little bit uh but leon bridges featured on that um and it was a couple months old um armchair expert. yeah armchair expert okay. yeah um and boy, is it interesting. I mean, holy cow, I like Leon Bridges a lot just from listening to that. I'm um, just listening to him talk, having like a solid interview. context to the album itself? Not quite. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a little bit. Um, 
but nothing Sorry, did it make that... it better? That's, I guess that's my real question. Did it enhance this project? Yes, but not for any clear-cut reason. Just like, I've liked he Leon Bridges, cooler. but he's he was in the background, right? right? You know, and like, like I don't really like Justin Timberlake's music, but he's in the foreground. You know, so I, like, I would listen to Justin Timberlake's album if it came out because I'm like, oh, it's Justin Timberlake, right? It's fair. If Leon Bridges' album came out, I wouldn't be like, oh, like that's the thing I really want to listen to, but that's because he was in the back. And now he's definitely in the front, and I'm like, this guy, I want everything from him. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, you should check out the podcast, if nothing else. Um, but at least listen to the album. Uh, and this is, I think, the first time in this show that I don't know how many times I listened to this album. Whoa, um, hey, uh, multiple times? No, no, no. I mean, I always listen twice. If unless it's dog shit, but I mean, the dog like shit ones I don't. Multiple times. No, no, no. Like I, innumerable. I don't yeah. know, like nine, yeah. ten. I don't know. Um, I really fuck with this album. There's literally like two small things wrong with it, um, and that's I think he picked the wrong song to be the lead up song to the album. I think the first song that is on the track list doesn't do the rest of it well really? now listening to it like 10 times really? yeah, i really like, like the first that, song no. Not, no, 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 not, not even that i dislike the first song i don't think it sets the right tone oh it doesn't uh, for because how the it's other more songs. of old r&b fusion exactly and he's definitely exactly. not old r&b yeah, yeah. well and, and, he, and you know he talks about that in the interviews and stuff but like he's heavily influenced by those those for are like sure. some of like his foundational yes. things of how he got his style and his swag and everything um and he can sing it great. You know, he can play it great. He's also obviously a pretty talented instrumentalist as well. But uh, yeah, it just didn't fit the whole vibe of the album. I mean, even the title of Gold Digger Sound, like, yes, you could contribute it back to, you know, older R&B and soul music. But like, let's be real, like, that's not what anyone is anyone's mind anymore. So to start with that makes me think it's going to be kind of like an oldies throwback album. And it's not that. It is not that at all. I, there's like I, I there's almost like trap drums on like two of these songs. I definitely um, agree. and it sounds get, great. I did get the wrong idea from the first song. You're totally right. Uh, I didn't. It didn't detract from the album right, that much. Uh, but well, I, and I listened to it like ten times. That's I was like trying to find things wrong with it. <laughs> so that's maybe like a half point deduction for me. And the other one is whatever the fuck the sixth track is. That Junior's fan. Fi- I don't oh, put a forty one forty second instrumental bullshit. I don't want to hear it. It doesn't need to be on your album. Fuck you for doing it. it Minus really, a half a point. It was a really weird, almost unnecessary intermission for a thirty minute album. You know, it, yeah. it didn't set the tone or anything. It just threw you out of it for a second. And well, you're like, oh wait, and it, new song. And when here's my biggest issue: a ten song album that's thirty minutes long is not bad at all. No. You know what I mean? Nope. That's totally listenable. It's nope. totally like radio friendly. It's totally everything friendly. He made an 11 song album that's 36 minutes long, you know? And so it's like, if you just took off the one song, it'd still be like 36 minutes. So yep. you wouldn't have offended me, but now you have 11 tracks doing the same. And I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so that's a minus a half point for my OCD. Of course. Uh, <laughs> no interludes around these parts. No, just don't do it, all right? If you're listening and you're trying to make music, just don't put interludes if you want us to like you. That's it. And those skits better mean something, goddammit, or else yeah, we're going to hate that, be too. Funny. I, better be, I better be goddamn laughing at your fucking skits, you bastard. Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, literally besides that, um, I liked every single song. Saying, it seems pick, like you're to really pick a favorite, To pick a favorite is honestly very difficult, but I would have to say maybe Show Enough, Motorbike, and Show Steam. Motorbike's good, too um but i mean yeah i like i don't know like you could i could find a different reason to like any one of these songs that aren't the junior's fanfare thing gold diggers 
Okay, well, I will add to this by saying I really like this album. I didn't hate it, but I don't think I loved this album. I did love Magnolias and Motorbike. Those two songs were literally like, I was just like, all right, back to the other one. Okay, back to Magnolias. Okay, maybe Motorbike again. Because, uh, you know, Motorbike has that just classic nighttime pop sound almost. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like you want like go on a drive kind of thing? Yeah. At night, not day. It doesn't have yes, that daytime yes, pop yes. there. Yeah, yeah no, okay. night, night drive, night drive. It, it definitely has that sound, and I think that'd be a great uh, radio hit if there's ever uh, one of the songs to gain traction. I think Motorbike might be the one, you know, to actually make it uh, on the radio. But I love Magnolias, and it's new R&B, hip-hop kind of, and it's I don't awesome even... bass, percussion. Like, there's just a <laughs> lot going on with Magnolias that I really I, enjoy. I, uh, honestly, I, I might even take off Steam and switch it out for Magnolias, because... I like I just press play again just to hear like the instrumental again on it just specifically and yeah that instrumental like I don't even care what words he's saying nope. like there's like these trap drums nope. these like beautiful horns and then this like fucking like tantalate it's almost like a harp or something it's like doo, 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 and it just oh my yeah like, Ma- this is, is great. excellent he he makes and I think this is talked about on the podcast so I'm not going to take credit for saying this or anything but um he makes very sexy music like he just comes off as like a very sexy and like in the same way that like old, you know, like, uh, like funk music and like R and R and B as a category as a whole is a very sexy music, but like just in a way that's like, you like want to put this on at night and like light some candles and have like a oh, beautiful yeah. dinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is what beautiful that is. Beautiful dinner, quote unquote. That's what I do with yeah. sexy music. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, there's, there's implications after that. Oh, but, oh okay. Yeah. Post it. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, just 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 gonna round out the tracks I really like. Is Motorbike and Magnolias were definitely at the top two, but I really like uh, Born Again, the first one, and uh, Blue Mesas, the last one. I thought yeah, it I thought was I... a really good cap off to the album, and it circles back to uh, whatever Born Again. I think the ending to Blue Mesas circles back to Born Again really well. But uh, again, I think without I think the they're loop, too similar. That's oh, my issue. Well, well, yeah, but they're trying like, to... I think Blue Mesas is a nice way to like take a breath at the end of the song and be like, wow, what did I just listen to? Whereas you go back into Born Again and you're still kind of like slowly starting up, which I guess if you're, again, looping into it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. But as an intro, like the first song I hit play on, I was like, I don't know this is about to be. Uh, I, I will say I did not love Why Don't You Touch Me. I, really? I, I thought that was just very generic R&B. Even the subject, like, even the things he was saying were like, like, nobody's going to love you as much as I do. I was just so annoyed by that line, and he said it multiple times, and then literally that's what the song is about, uh, right. <laughs> is that whole idea. Uh, that is the only song I didn't care for. It wasn't a terrible song so much to say, right. but... Right, just different from the rest because it was yeah. too traditional well, and he yeah, doesn't with seem all traditional. The things, yeah, with all the things he did in this album when he, you know, he's diverse enough to give, maybe not everybody something to listen to, but he, this album's diverse enough to give, you know, most people a little something to listen to. Even if you're a big rap fan, you know, I could still still suggest Magnolias to you. Or, you know, if you're a big pop fan and you don't really love R&B soul, I can still suggest Motorbike or whatnot. But uh, I don't know. Why don't you touch me? Just kind of fit into the groove too well. Felt kind of cookie cutter. Uh, I, I just didn't care for it at all. Felt just plain. Uh, it didn't make the album bad because I thought it still took me through a journey. I think that's what's important with this album. It's kind of a trip. You just There's very mm-hmm. uh, specific destinations, almost landmarks that you remember. And then 
idle time and then back to like a hit. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, some of his instrumentals were a little experimental in the backgrounds. I mean, they they still, te- you know, stuck to your normal R&B stuff, but it just seemed, like you said, the harp kind of sound that he had. Uh, there's one, I, I can't pinpoint the weird sound he had. It was just almost like a sound effect. And I'm pretty sure it was on uh, Sweeter. It might have been on Sweeter, don't worry. Uh, I, I didn't specifically write it down. Like, just, just like the little, like, if you press play on, I don't know if you're able to do that I right can't, now. But like, because it would show that, up on the podcast. Okay. Right. Yeah, the first, the first, like, note, it's just like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like a, oh my god, what's Smino's producer's name? Monte Booker. Monte Booker. Um, it's like very space, or like Azizi Gibson spacey. producing. Like, uh yeah spacey like ethereal is that the one you're talking about yeah I th- I, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's 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 like literally the first note on sweeter it's just like uh okay, well yeah it's like i think it's like a synth maybe like a really high pitched up synth well i enjoy but, that he i i felt as though he went out of his comfort zones a little bit from this album and i think it worked successful oh no i think it sounds sick um and to just touch on why don't you touch me um I'm I'm probably a little bit more forgiving just because one I like generic pop more than you, and two, I listen to it so many times that the generic pop theme happened where like it just like it is. It's not lazily written, but it's you could almost interchange those. So plain. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Plain. There's no there's no real meat to them, but they do get stuck in your head. Oh and yeah, obviously no, I'm not debating that one. Well, no, so I'm like, so I'm like, eh, do I really dislike it that much? Nah, um, and then. Uh, just from him talking about on the podcast uh, with Dak Shepard, uh, they uh, were talking about, you know, his first album, you know, he's been writing, they talk about this phenomenon of like an artist's first album, they've been writing their whole life. And the artist's second album is typically, they've just been signed to a label after that first album. And they have like 12 months to write something about something they have no idea about. You know what I mean? Like they have just no life to live to write about. Um, And so he was talking about, yeah, like his experience writing a second album. I think this is like his third or fourth now. Basically, what happens nowadays with him is like he just shows up in a studio and there's an engineer and a producer there and they're like basically just have a catalog of beats and start playing in beats. And then he tries to find inspiration with one of those beats and write a song. And that one strikes me the most as that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, with that context for sure. Yeah, if you just like have a list of beats and you're just trying to make a song to it, I could totally hear a really talented person making that song. And now, if you have some kind of source material that you're bringing to the thing and then you hear some beats then that's how i could see how you get these other songs but i'm like yeah it's more forgivable um in that context i feel like but anyway uh score for this uh i was thinking eight eight five you know i i I was given nine i told you i marked off two half points each for the thing i said and other than that i don't really have eight half yeah i think if you say eight and i say nine eight half totally reasonable yeah Uh, it's it's still i think a great album According to scale, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, our scale and just like one that we would recommend people um, who have no experience with the show or any like this is a completely hey give this thing a listen because it's good objectively. I, I think it's safe to say anything we rate above a seven is more of a recommendation than anything. So yeah, yeah take that as you will. Eight five, uh, pretty damn good. Um, did he talk about why he named it this in the deck uh, thing? Because I not read that something... I recall. Yeah, he, uh, apparently he wrote a lot of the lyrics in a bar called Gold Diggers. Mm. So it's just Gold Digger sound. Right, the, just yeah. the feel of that. Yeah. Interesting. And so I was like, oh, okay. 
Oh, like that? Okay, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Puts in a different reference, but uh, yeah. He's yeah. a whiskey man, if you're curious. I, yeah. I, I wasn't, actually. Uh, <laughs> particularly, a, particularly a bourbon guy. Apparently. I really Woodford, wasn't, so. actually. So Kentucky eight, boy. Eight, five for Even though he's Texan. Yeah. Uh, so now moving on to on. M. Night Shyamalan's freaking old. Yep. Ugh. yep. I, I want that to be a soundbite, by the way. Can that be a soundbite for our future trailer? M. Night Shyamalan's freaking old. <laughs> <laughs> and then, ugh, right after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought, obviously, yeah, from the trailer alone, uh, this seemed like it was going to be a really interesting premise, and mm-hmm. I stand by that it is still. Yes, 100%. And even though early on they hinted at it, it's like a geological phenomenon, something about the minerals and the yeah. air and space, yeah. I was like, that's a little contrived, a little bit dumb, but what? Like, it's still cool. Like a temporal anomaly right. on Earth, sequestered away in this little bit of remote island. Like, whatever. I'm here for it. And then it just keeps going. Yep. And the characters are having conflicts that aren't really resolving. Nope. And then <laughs> nope. it turns out our main character was Evna Chavlin all along. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then instead of choosing ending one or ending two or ending three, he decided to just tack all of them on sequentially and end it with the fourth ending. Uh, It really felt like he didn't know how he wanted to end. I don't know if he's like so in his own head about there being like this M. Night Shyamalan twist that he was like, well, it's not really a twist because I've been leading you on the whole time. I think that's the twist. (laughs) that There was no twist. Yeah. And so then it was like, oh, well, it's just a pharmaceutical company, and this is a you know an allegory for how evil and corrupt Big Pharma is. I was like, that's what our takeaway is yeah, from this? Not yeah. that you killed, like, six people? <laughs> just, like... Or, or, like, the implications of, like, the fallout about what their lives are like. Like, that would have been so much more interesting. That's literally what I have written down. Okay, yeah. uh, I'll get to the actual movie, but if we're just talking, like, the plot and how off the wall it was and how... I think I've talked about this before. I've definitely talked about this with you before, but maybe not on air. Um, I'll, I'll take it back a little. So this feels like a Twilight Zone episode, right? And In a lot you, of ways. If you've watched Twilight Zone, I hope you know that there's one season in the middle, season four, I believe, that has hour-long episodes, and they're all garbage because no one needs an hour of just a fun premise. And this is what this movie was. It was just an hour and a half of a, ooh, what's this crazy premise, dude? And then it tries to It wasn't even an hour and a half. It It was like an hour and 50 minutes. That was uh, my problem. I mean, it it, It kept going at the end. I was like, this thing should have ended once they made it through the coral. Left me in suspense if you're not going to tie in their life. If this was a 30-minute thing, I think it would have been actually amazing. But since it was, what, an hour and 50 minutes, it's pretty uh, flaming hot garbage. That's uh, all I really want to say about the plot itself. We can talk about the weird-ass pacing, like where the beginning does all the setup work and actually kind of enjoy, like you, you can kind of enjoy it a bit. Uh, I, I I liked the beginning. I thought the kids' quips were funny. I thought the family, you know, you could get all the context from uh, they were having problems, all this and that, the their character developments were fine at the beginning. It was, it was this pretty solid intro only for it to do nothing with any of that. Like, I don't see how the characters divorcing or how their separation problems really played into anything other than just more dialogue. 
and like I, I I don't really think it it set up anything, and I don't think the kids being like, oh, he's a smart kid. I don't think that played into it at all. Uh, it, it's like, like they forgot the intro and then made the movie. No, I think what happened is he's not a very good writer. That's and what that's happened is definitely. he was. <laughs> I think I think he was going back and like retconning certain issues that people had. Like the smart boy thing struck me as how do we make it so that when the characters age, they're they're not just still six years old, right. you know? And if he's a smart kid, then his thoughts, even as he grows older really fast, can still be a little bit more advanced, even though he's you know a twenty one year old, six year old. You know, like he has sex for the first time. He's like, oh, I thought you had to do it a lot of times or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, at least he knew what sex was, I guess. But like, also That's you're so six. So like, huh? Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, I was just like, I don't know. Then there's weird implications just with the sex thing alone that I was like, this is just a little with strange. That alone. I mean, we're not yeah. even talking about the other thing. Like, I, I kind of talk about but, the actual movie. No, no, no. Hold really on. Wait, I know. I know. So wait, with the pacing and the retconning. Um, so the, I thought that was a specific thing of like this was a plot hole that he had to try to like fit. And then the second one with the, uh, the parental issues, you know, and I think like each of the relationships had some kind of little strain on them. It seemed, um, although maybe not the, uh, what is it? The therapist and the nurse, that relationship. Oh yeah. Yeah. The I, I don't think they seemed like they had an issue, but the married people definitely seemed like they had troubles. Um, but I think it was to, mask until the big reveal that they all had some underlying illness i think that was part of like why were they chosen to be out here what's making them stuck like is it because again there was like a you know psychoanalyst therapist lady out there so like you know like oh we all need to work together and you need to put your relationships aside and look at us as one big family you know like i think it was all just he went back and was like oh they should have some relationship drama <laughs> like i believe it just to mask it because it was maybe too on the nose for his liking. I don't know, but it didn't help. It I, just blunted everything. I feel like I don't know what this movie was trying to do. Uh, I, I thought the things that make it a movie were like, okay, you know, the score was serviceable. The direction I guess was okay. The camera work was okay, but the overall direction of the movie was just, I don't know. M night knows how to make movies, but does he know how to make good current movies? That's a completely separate question. Because this movie felt dated as fuck. Is that just me? It felt like it came out in 2008, like right after The Happening. You know? I think this movie could have came out right then. And it might have been watchable. It might have been okay. But I don't know. It's It's been a lot of years since we've got the M. Night Shyamalan shtick. And he really hasn't done anything with that. He hasn't like subverted any expectations of the audience or well, critics like, alike. He, he just varies so much in his success. Right. So like from 99 to 2002, he had six cents, unbreakable signs, like all, oh, wow. all three just good bangers. movies, right. Yeah. Back to back to back. And then he had, um, the village, bad. which, yeah, like I'm pretty sure objectively most people think is bad, but like, it still had like fucking Adrian Brody and Sigourney Weaver and walking feet. Like oh, it had yeah. huge people, you know what I mean? And then he did the lady in the water, which also was not good. I never saw that, but I remember it. I don't know how old I, I remember. I was young, but I still remember the critics being like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> well, and then he had the happening after that, yep. you know? And so he, he starts coming back a little bit just cause again, interesting twist horror thing he had not done for, you know, four years at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then the last airbender. <laughs> and then this is where the streak of bullshit happens. Right. 
So it's the last Airbender. It's After Earth. It's oh, the visit. No. Yeah. After Earth. He directed yeah, Will, After Earth. Yeah. Oh, Will flashbacks. Just flashbacks just hit me. Just oh, trauma. Oh. He did Airbender into After Earth. Those are the two movies. Oh man, that that hurt so, me. I forgot he did that. Yeah, then he did The Visit, uh, which is a found footage comedy horror movie. I don't even know if you remember this yeah, one. Yeah, The Grandparents. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Jesus Christ, I did not and then, <laughs> and then, finally, somehow, he comes back, and he does Split. And everyone's like, oh, shit, Split. And Split, Split was good. Split was good. Glass, not Glass so great. Sucked. It was fine. It was, no, it was fine. Mm, not good. It sucked because we wanted Split because we thought M. Night's back, baby. No. And then he makes Glass this. is bad because the last hour in the fake climax is bad. That's why Glass yeah. is bad. But that's his doing, right? I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know, man. It's really hard to review trash movies like this because I don't want to talk about the actual movie itself. Because or... there's so much wrong. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. Like, okay, let's, like, let's talk about his direction like the actual like camera work and things that were chosen to be shown it was like okay did you like this movie could have been with even all four alternate endings under an hour and a half i genuinely feel like there was 20 minutes of random tracking shots and like suspense building oh let's look at the rocks again and oh let's pander up at this flashing light that we know is a fucking camera how many times do we have to see the flashing light i swear we saw that thing six or seven times four at least uh and then again just pandering shots of the rock and you know like oh we're waiting out in the ocean and what's that oh a body oh we're waiting out in the ocean oh what's that a body (laughs) and you're like (laughs) bro just so lazy like like, was this meant to be like a two and a half hour movie? And he just not. like the studio was like, bro, bring it, reel it in. You know, like <laughs> if, if it was like a two parter, yeah. a two parter, you know, and I they like followed their lives afterward. They yeah. did like a the room thing with Brie Larson where like the first half's like I, being in the room, second half's implications after the big event. I 100% believe if you fast forward this, fast forwarded this movie and made it like 10 minutes. Before an actual movie, it would be awesome. The, yeah. the, the movie, the next movie, or the movie about their lives, where they're fifty-year-old right. people living as six-year-old kids, that'd be awesome and interesting. But no, we yeah. get this. Uh, yeah. Oh, like oh, the worst part, the most egregious thing was the very, very ending shot and scene. Which really. part? Where they're in the helicopter. Because I thought the ending was stupid because, as you said, there are alternate endings. But then he like spliced it non-chronologically for some dumbass reason the helicopter specifically because mm-hmm. alluding to what their life is going to be like afterwards and he's like oh how'd he take it and i'm like you all aren't even buddies like that like you're a cop who's barely investigated this thing for more than an hour you know what i mean like you really don't know these people you would be hopping in an airplane and rescuing the two people who are subject to this you know it, like the whole thing just felt what and then he's like hey, how's he feel about this and then he's like how would you feel if your 50 year old six-year-old nephew just called you <laughs> <laughs> and you're like shut up and then it's a another like 30 second tracking shot of the helicopter flying towards the cove where the time anomaly is and then away from it like all they did was they wanted to hover next to the shore i just didn't under the I whole did... thing i was like what are you talking like what is no one would do this i'd also question you know what I mean? when was that helicopter scene because i was a little confused as the timeline because where are they? And how'd they get a helicopter there? That's what... Whose helicopter is it? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so much... But, I mean, like, 
where are they in the like in the world on a map? There's just an on an island. I would island. say the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah I would but say like Caribbean a island. helicopter, a military helicopter. Where is that coming from? To go to an island, and then if it, even if it was a helicopter that ha- a military helicopter that happened to be there the day of, why are they all? I think they had clothes changed and they were just chatting. Like you said, they're just chatting with the cop as if they you know they talked. I the helicopter. The last scene's really weird. Yeah, and, and and that's the very last scene. But then, like you know, the three scenes before it are the we follow M Night back to the research lab, and we find out it's a research lab, and they're curing all kinds of diseases. Thank God, I love Pfizer so much. I would <laughs> just like, that. right. Johnson Johnson's the best company. It's a family company. Fuck yeah, time <laughs> and all. Uh, and then you know we follow them back to the resort, and the next victims are awaiting, and the little the scene with the little son of whoever is like, oh, I told you you can play with these people, but not these people, and you're like, you didn't need to tell me that the kid was disobeying your orders. We got that the three times you reprimanded him in front of everybody, you know, yep. gave him an evil eye, and he was talking to the kids he wasn't supposed to, like everything that happened. And so again, I was just like wasting time, ten minutes here, ten minutes there, and then the third part was when he reaches out to the detective with the piece of paper you would think and then the movie it, and, would end there yes like that's totally fine yeah, and then it cuts to then it cuts to him warning the people that pulled right. up and the cop coming out like i just rang up all these numbers and all these names are on missing people's list we gotta get everyone hold on i gotta put handcuffs on everybody and you're like and also what a time to make the cop black interestingly enough not that this needs to be a race thing to, at this point but not to add any more contrivance to this movie but what a time to just go, yeah, well, you know. Yeah. I mean, someone, <laughs> someone's got to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I put ending on my plus and my minus about this movie because of, like you said, like the only reason it's on my plus or my positives is that it's very nicely cleaned up, you know, for a yeah. for an ending of a story. For no reason nice needs to be cleaned clean up that well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it's... Weirdly it was insultingly cleaned up. cleaned up. It was insultingly cleaned. I go, of course they're going to investigate if he handed them the piece of paper. You don't have to show me the investigation. Of course he's going to reprimand the little kid for doing the thing he's not supposed to. He's a little kid who was doing a thing he's not supposed to. Like, am I either an idiot or do I not know how life works or stories are told? <laughs> I, I just didn't know what the point of any of the ending was, even though it was cleaned up. This movie felt like a snowball going down a hill okay <laughs> like, <laughs> truly, truly. Like, well like a, like a large mountain also covered in snow yeah 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 exactly like, someone like, was yodeling like it was okay as a little snowball here it's like whatever i don't care a little snowball hits a wall i don't care but then as the movie goes it rolls into this giant fucking boulder that's gonna destroy the town because right. this movie's garbage um i don't know man I, I think we've talked about the movie enough can we get to the baby thing can we talk about the baby thing yeah, just we gotta bit, talk yeah. about the baby thing one did you expect it? Okay, no, I didn't expect that. One, how did, did. they <laughs> do it? Uh, I, I feel weird because the character... I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. movie's uh, weird. I, mean, I don't, I don't want to talk about child sex that much, even though they're adults. How did mark? they do that in the time allotted? Because it's not like time goes forward. They still would have had to have the time to do the thing. Weren't they just in a tent for five minutes? Uh, No, it was like five minutes of screen time. I think it was like... 30 minutes of like earth time i get okay um, yeah uh, and, uh then... and, and the only reason i say that is so like we had the there's like a parental conference or whatever they've he's they've sent the two littlest away you know and at that point it's alex wolf playing the little boy uh 
and Naked oh, Brothers yeah, band Alex, Alex Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, I forgot yes. he was Naked there. Brothers band Alex Wolf. Yes. And so, you know, they're like, you know, we didn't have a grown up meeting. I think they just found uh, maybe maybe the Asian dude's body. I can't remember whose body, the nurse's body. I don't know. Either way, they found somebody or they needed a big grown up. Oh, no. I think the dad was having a breaking point and stabbed the uh, rapper to death, mid sized sedan. Mid-sized also, mid sized sedan. It was, that was actually an excellent name. <laughs> that was <not> <laughs> <rad>. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So yeah, uh, I think the dad had just stabbed the dude to death. They're like, get out of here, go play somewhere down the beach, you know? And so then they're dealing with all the fallout from that. And then we get, you know, we'll assume like 15 minutes of Earth's time cut to later. And they're like kind of cuddling and his hands right. like oh, yeah, yeah. on I, her I, ass. I got the implication. So there was, there was sexual implications there. And then we cut back and it's like another 15 minutes past and they're like, where are the kids? And then they're like, just yeah. after sex, shine on them, walking down, and boom, she's got a fucking belly. I just thought about this. So if everything's growing, including an embryo, why weren't the sperms growing and dying when they got shot out? Right? Because, like, a sperm life lifetime isn't long, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's long enough. I mean, it takes... Yeah, how long does actually, it take to inseminate, here's, actually? Here's, here's, a, here's a fun fact that I learned in medical Here we school. Go. Uh, so from the period of ejaculation uh-huh. up until there's a sperm meets egg... It's two days so of a treacherous... So not possible is what you're telling me. What? No, because two days is like I'm an hour. the sperm on... dies, though. It doesn't move the sperm. It just grows it, right? The The time effect wouldn't move the sperm to the egg, right? That's not oh, how... no, of course, of course. No, 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 yes. That's yes, what I'm yes. saying. So it's like, yeah. wouldn't the sperm just die on the two-day travel? Yes. yes. Um. But yeah, it takes two days. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Like, how does anyone get pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, okay. This little sperm has to last for fucking two days in harsh environment. You know, I can't last two days out in the fucking wilderness. No food, (laughs) no water, in hot acid. Like, no. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, the the sex thing was just strange and pretty much, like, I'm trying to think of the necessity of it. Was there a need for more drama I don't in know. this, like, huge... Like, there didn't need to be a weird group dynamic. Group dynamic could have elevated it, for sure. But, like, even if they were all just best friends dying of old age... That might have been better. ...really fast. Like, I, uh, this is going to be a ridiculous assumption to try to have you meld in your head, but, like, imagine, like, the movie Tag... But they ended up on this beach for a scene. You know what I mean? Like You could have just said, imagine couples retreat. <laughs> sure couples retreat yeah. yeah but like are they all fret like because there's the implied I mean, relationship know, I dynamics they, like, of no thing well maybe not i don't know i think they know no, I'm, each saying, other. Like, I'm just saying like imagine they're all cool with each other right yeah yeah and they're aging like there's going to be enough drama in that one major event alone <laughs> it's like it's like you don't need a movie about the 9-11 terrorist attack and also some horrible tragedy about cancer and about how someone was a gunshot victim just before that and the cops can't take care of all these people while this 9-11 attack's going on. Like, that doesn't make for a good uh, 9-11 have you movie. seen Crash? <laughs> <laughs> it's got like 20 different plot lines at the same time, dude. Fucking Oscar-winning masterpiece right there. That's a joke. That movie sucks. I don't know. I, yeah. That's not even a joke. No. Like, that movie sucks. But, uh, yeah, I... I don't know what really to say about this movie other than it doesn't make any sense half the time. Again, I don't know why the baby was a thing or why. Yeah, like, why did he add that? Like, M. Night Shyamalan shot this scene and was like, okay, this adds something to the movie. Right. You know, the man. And he's not a dumb person. He's got enough 
history in him to know like what's interesting. But made after okay, Earth, he could be. He could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the Last Airbender, bro. Come on, how can I you guess, say After Earth is worse than the Last Airbender? Oh, I can definitely say After Earth is just because Last no, because, Airbender nope. had source material. That's exactly why it's more offensive. That's why exactly it's not more offensive because obviously, if it was bad, it's going to be worse compared to a good show. Whereas After Earth has nothing and still garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's original garbage, which is worse. Uh, <laughs> whatever potato potato and all right let's I wrap guess, this up let's, yeah, wrap, let's this wrap this up. up i i just want to say one more thing i feel so bad for rufus sewell the crazy dad surgeon yeah because yeah. i think he, i didn't expect him to be in this yeah because i think he acts i think he can act i think you give this man a script he can put it out there right like he can he can translate what's on the page to an acting form or you know exhibition but he just had no room in this movie. I, I felt as though he was so constricted to, hey, play this crazy dude real quick, and then just kind of look with your dead eyes that he has and just look into the camera a couple times and just do your thing and be crazy, also, I guess. Just, just just because it's a me thing, and I just can't help but talk about it now, that we've I've, I've been reminded that the crazy fuck that stabs people was a cardiothoracic surgeon. Yeah. Why was every medical event in this him weirdly flexing very like routine knowledge that the nurse also knew but allowed like she was having a seizure and he was like everybody she's having a seizure no yeah. one was asking yeah. no one cared there was no head turn like it was just like very straight like it's just like one of those movie tropes where i go like that's not how like people behave i, mean, I, th- like, I think it's... it's supposed to add to maybe his obnoxiousness but it really didn't feel obnoxious compared to the whole world we were watching. Yeah, you know? I was going to say, it, it made me feel like M. Night Shyamalan was obnoxious, not the character. Yeah. Everything else feels obnoxious, so any obnoxious action doesn't really seem too bad. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about any Bad movie, what do you want to give it? What's your score? What'd you put? Honestly, I was going to say like a five, but after talking about it so much, I'm down too. for like a five. I'm down for a four. I'm, I'm also four. down for bringing it down to a four. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like it got worse when I put it into When thoughts. I remembered everything, it was really trying to consider. Like, that's what I, like, it probably deserves a five. Yeah. It's because when I watched it, it didn't feel as egregious as now talking about it and thinking about it. But now that I have hindsight and other experiences and moments to compare it to, it's definitely a four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, well, I, yeah. I, I think that's more to M. Night Shyamalan can make a movie. It's right. just, can he make a good modern movie? And that's not the same question. So I, I think that's what it's down to. Uh, I don't know. Just not not good. It didn't seem like it did anything. It didn't seem like there's a point. Maybe there's some poetic point that's under all the in-your-fucking-face metaphor. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something beneath it all. But I don't care enough to watch it again to figure out. So old M. Night Shyamalan's old 4 out of 10. That's... Heard it here first, and uh, what do we got on the agenda next week? Yeah, I was gonna say, you want to say anything else, or ready nope. for the outro? Okay, that that movie is bad, but uh, if you want to catch us next week on episode forty of the Worst Critics, we will be watching the new movie, The Green Knight, and listen to Isaiah Rashad's newest album, The House Is Burning. Uh, as always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino, and we'll see you next week. We're out of here.